Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this HR Chat, we're going to ask, what does it really mean to be a diverse, inclusive, equitable, and attractive employer in a world forever changed by the death of George Floyd and the impetus that that gave to the global Black Lives Matter movement? My guest this time is the awesome, super impressive Mandy Price, an advocate for diversity, equity and inclusion and the CEO and co-founder of Canaries Inc., a tech company taking a holistic approach to solving diversity, equity and inclusion challenges, enabling companies to immediately take action towards systemic change. Mandy was also named a top 100 HR influencer of 2021, so she's super famous, uh, by the HR Executive magazine. And she and her co-founder, Star Carter, were recognized as two of Entrepreneur magazine's top 100 most powerful women of 2020. Mandy, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Thank you so much, Bill. I'm happy to be here. Now, you're quoted as saying diversity, equity, inclusion issues are, are, are difficult to diagnose, but organizations need to help diagnose them to understand exactly what, from an institutional basis, needs to be changed to ensure that they are promoting that healthy workplace. I've got a couple of questions around that. Firstly, how can companies get to a place where they accept they need to diagnose their DEI policies, i.e. what needs to change in the leadership's mindset to even get to that place? So I feel like the business case for diversity has been proven for decades. And I know we're all right. We talk about DI as far as being on a DI journey and we're all at different places with respect to kind of where we are on that journey. But I think especially over the last year, we've seen so many leaders really understand that uh, having a DI strategy and focus isn't a nice to have. It's not something that um, uh, the chief diversity officer or HR team uh, kind of is within their wheelhouse and is tucked away. It's something that uh, the board is focused on, that the shareholders and investors are focused on, and that the CEO and the entire C-suite leadership team needs to be focused on. And so when we think about, and, and going to your question around difficult di- to diagnose, I think most organizations understand that um, they may have some challenges from a DI standpoint. What we've seen so long is that many organizations have been focusing on the D, the DEI, right? And when we talk about diversity, we've seen a lot of initiatives around recruiting talent and really around the talent acquisition process. And what we're seeing is that organizations understand that this has to be looked at holistically, that we can't just stop the process at the D, that we really have to ensure that we're looking at equity and inclusion because a lot of the times the things we're seeing with respect to why talent is leaving, why we can't keep talent, has to do with that inclusion and equity piece. And so in order to form that long-term strategy, we really have to understand and be able to diagnose those inclusion and equity issues and really look at this from a system and systemic um, issue institutionally within the organization. And so uh, we're seeing a lot of organizations really start to shift their focus beyond just talent acquisition to understanding that they have to have a long-term strategy um, with respect to looking at inclusion and equity within their workplace. And um, we're really, really excited about the changes that we're seeing in, in organizations starting to utilize data in a way to measure equity and inclusion within the workplace. 
because we know that that allows them to really um, be precise and put in effect, uh, put into place interventions that uh, really move the needle and that are effective. And so, uh, really, really excited about the shift that we're seeing in the space. Okay, and uh, another follow-up there. What do you think goes into diagnosing the DEI efforts then of a company? And, and what are the typical challenges faced by HR leaders specifically who are keen to make a change? I know a lot of times, right, HR leaders and um, DI leaders have been championing for a long time some of the changes that we're now seeing uh, being put into place and, and being implemented by organizations. So when we talk about diagnosing equity and, and inclusion, right, diversity is, is easier to measure, and that's where I think why we've seen the focus on that, right, because diversity is measuring uh, demographics headcount. So we're, you know, that's traditionally where organizations have focused on as far as uh, recruitment efforts, retention, uh, you know, how many people may have left a certain department. But when we talk about measuring equity, uh, we're looking more around our systems. And that's a lot of the work we do at Canaries as far as systems assessments, as far as how is our talent acquisition process set up? How do we do our performance review uh, process? How are our pay policies and practices set in place? And so we're looking at everything from the entire employee life cycle and ensuring that we are setting those up because there's been so much research already on there's certain policies and practices that we can put in place that promote equity um, and same thing that promote inclusion. And so we have to do that work around analyzing all of our systems within our organization. Same thing with respect to inclusion, where we uh, do a lot of work with working with the employees, understanding uh, what are the typical challenges that employees from different demographic groups face in the workplace. And so that's all the type of work that Canaries does, where we're doing assessments not only on the policies, practices, and procedures, but also doing those assessments and audits uh, with respect to employees. Now, we know a lot of organizations have traditionally utilized employee engagement surveys. Now, employee engagement surveys are great for measuring employee engagement, um, but when we try to use those to measure equity and inclusion, um, they just fall short because that wasn't their purpose in, in the way that they were um, originally put in place. Now, we've seen also many organizations may you know, um, the, the chief diversity officers or DI leaders will advocate to have a couple of questions put in there with respect to that. But it's so important that when we're measuring the data that comes back from those assessments as well, that we're, we're looking at it from an intersectionality lens. And that's also where we uh, sometimes see those, those uh, assessments fall short. So everything we do and measure and track, we look at it not only from a gender and race perspective, but we're looking at it from um, uh, religion, we're looking at disability, we're looking at neurodiversity issues, we're looking at LGBT, uh, we're making sure that we're really understanding where we need to focus our attention because as HR and DI leaders, there's so many things that uh, we're pulled into uh, from a marketing standpoint and there's just so many different elements that um, really spread thin and especially when you think of DI leaders, um, most DI teams will have um, a, a mighty team of one or two is what I call it. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe we'll see a mighty team of five, but uh, most organizations, even large enterprises, don't have, um, uh, you know, 
huge teams in this area. So being able to really focus your time and attention and understand where your time and attention needs to be focused is critical. And so I think the importance of diagnosing these issues ahead of time really helps to ensure that you have that effective strategy. Um, and, it, and I think most organizations are really uh, ensuring that they're not just putting in place quick fixes or relying on gut feelings, that they're really utilizing the data to determine what areas need their attention. We'll be right back after this quick message from today's sponsor. Congratulations. After extensive research and interviews, you found the right applicant to fill your open position. They had a perfect resume, a professional attitude. But are you sure they are who they say they are? Did you know that 22% of candidates lie on their resume? At Mintz, we believe better safe than sorry. Check us out at mintzglobalscreening.com. Okay, I've, I've got another quote from you here, uh, and this is from an interview uh, that you did for D Magazine in, in which you say, we, we make assumptions about people we don't know, and those prejudices are often dissolved through real connection. Um, I, I also read about you that uh, when you were at kindergarten, I think I think you were the only person of, of color within uh, at kindergarten, um, and and you had relationships with the same people throughout throughout your your school career and whatnot, and 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 the way that they related to you and their preconceptions um, perhaps uh, changed as a result. I'd like to understand from you what, what does real connection mean in, in the context of of building an equitable and welcoming company culture, and how can we go about doing that? The the quote you're talking about, yeah, that's absolutely. Um, when I was in kindergarten, I was the only uh, black student, and then by the time I graduated from high school, our high school was um, the demographics was vastly different, and, and roughly 50 percent of the student ba body was black students. And so we talk about um, real connections. People saw me as Mandy, and the multifaceted version of who Mandy is. Yeah, Mandy's a black woman, but Mandy also is uh, someone that loves, you know, eating out at different restaurants and, and loves movies. And, and so they viewed me as the individually and complex person that I am. And I think the problem becomes when you don't have um, relationships or exposure to different people, uh, then you're relying on the biases and the preconceived notions that you may see uh, displayed on the news or other sources. And so being able to understand and know people for the individuals they are is important. But I also think that building those connections alone will not create an equitable workplace. Um, you can have the best relationships in the world, and that doesn't mean that you're going to be paid fairly. That That's why it's so important that when we do this work, that we have to look at it from a system standpoint, um, in addition to the other interventions that we put in place, right? Having trainings is important because some of the trainings that we're talking about is helping people to understand biases that they may have and helping them to understand um, ways where they need to alter some of the things that they may be doing in the workplace to ensure those biases aren't having an effect. But connections and having those relationships alone can never create the equitable workplaces. The equitable workplaces will only come through through those system changes with respect to ensuring that the policies, the practices, the way our organization is operating is operating in a way that contemplates and takes into account biases that people may have 
and we're putting in place structures and systems that are measuring and testing and ensuring that we are um, always looking at equity. So, uh, Bill, I hope that helps answer your questions, but I think I think it's it's not an either or. I think it's a both and that we have to have the trainings, we have to realize our biases, but we also have to do the work from a systems basis to ensure that we're promoting equity. Okay, thank you very much. In a uh, in a twenty fifteen Deloitte survey, uh, the, the the findings included eighty three percent of millennials were saying that they're they're actively engaged if, if they believe that a company fosters an inclusive culture, while only sixty percent of millennials were actively engaged within work environments that they find do not promote inclusivity. As we now in twenty twenty one, Mandy, go through a very, very fierce war for top talent, war for top millennial and Gen Z talent as well. Um what what are what are the tangible things that companies can do to prove that their employer brand stands for DEI? And perhaps you can share some tangible examples of that. Yeah. So what I think that um when we look at a lot of the research, right? Because you putting out great research around uh, Gen Z and millennials, but we also see this kind of dip in productivity and engagement amongst all the demographic groups, right? Um, that's one of the great benefits of DEI is that it shows that it increases employee engagement and lowers absenteeism and does so many other great things as far as from a business standpoint. And, and obviously, we want people to feel welcome and belong and to be engaged uh, within their organization. But I think one of the things that we see is that sometimes organizations are afraid to take a stand or afraid to um, kind of um, delve into some DI issues because it's viewed as um, maybe too political or they're worried about the way the brand will be perceived. Or there's this fear of we're not doing everything in DI right, so how can we talk about these issues? What people are looking for are not perfection. They're not looking for just marketing. I think there's a real um, keen awareness as well as far as this company is saying all the right things, but it's simply marketing. They're not truly having a commitment. People want authenticity. They want to see that your organization knows that they're not perfect. Uh, there is a lot of work to do, and every organization has work to do because we can look at um, our society, and we can look at the demographics of the C-suite of most organizations and the board of most organizations. And so no one is per expecting perfection, but what they're wanting the organization to do is to express a commitment to DEI and say we're not where we want to be, but we're committed to getting there. And so I think that type of commitment and transparency is what um, Gen Z and millennials and other employees expect. And I think you can do that by ensuring that your strategy within your organization is not just marketing, that you're looking at your policies, your procedures, your strategies, you're consulting with DI experts, you're giving a budget to your DI professionals and your team, and you're really ensuring that you're making policies and procedures that promote equity and inclusion. And so while, you know, statements defining your brand stance on DI and social issues are important, we got to make sure that those statements are coupled with action and realistic goals that your organization can achieve. Um, we are already coming towards the end, this interview, the end of this interview. Before we wrap up, just a few more questions for you. And, and the next one's kind of a bit of a summary of some of the things that we've spoken about so far. And obviously, we, we've spoken in, in a wider context than than just um, 
racial inequalities. But I, I would I would love to get your perspective on what what does it really mean to be a diverse, inclusive, and equitable, and of course, attractive employer brand in a world now forever changed by the death of George Floyd and and the impetus that they that gave to the global Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, sure. It's a great question. You know, sometimes I feel like we say the words all together, DEI. And so um, I know us in the HR and DEI, you know, that landscape have a better understanding. But, you know, there's so many people that really hear those words and they're just jumbled all together. But when we talk about diversity, you know, diversity really means someone's identity. We're talking about gender, race, religion, all the attributes that make up someone's identity. Inclusion means you feel included no matter what your identity is. We see lots of workplaces that are diverse, but those individuals don't feel like they belong or that they can be themselves at work. And then we talk about equity. We're talking about all employees have the same access and opportunities and that they have the same ability to thrive no matter what their identity is. Uh, we know equity is an area where corporate America really struggles tremendously. Um, we see a lot of organizations that have diversity, but when we look at where that diversity exists within their organization, it's all at the entry levels. Um, and when we are working on inclusion, uh, you know, we, we're really uh, thinking about how do we set up our organization in a way where everyone feels included and empowered and that they belong. And I think the place that we really have the most work to go towards is when it comes to equity. And when we look at the leadership and CWCs of these organizations, they're not reflective of society or even their own workforce. And so when we talk about what does it mean to be a diverse, inclusive, and equitable workplace, it means that we have a workplace that uh, is reflective of our society and in our countries that we, we work at, right? Because I know that um, not all of us are, are in the U.S. But it also means that we have employees that uh, are included and can be their authentic self and belong and are engaging in a meaningful way in the workforce. And uh, when we are talking about equity, we're talking about the fact that um, we really are ensuring that no matter what someone's identity is, that they have the ability to thrive and are treated uh, uh, with that same access and opportunities throughout, throughout the organization. So I'm like I said, I'm really, really excited about the trajectory that we're at, the fact that we've moved past just diversity, which is where I felt the conversation was stuck at for so long, and we're really seeing organizations understand that they have a, to have an, a strategy around inclusion and equity as well. And and just to, just to touch on that a little bit more then, are, are, you, are, you, are you seeing then that companies are taking DEI initiatives more seriously as a result of the murder of George Floyd like before when it was uh, for example um, uh, movements around pride do you, do you think there's there still wasn't the same degree of urgency that we've seen since since uh, the murder of George Floyd absolutely we've seen companies um, really lean into DEI that organizations might have had an interest in diverse equity inclusion before um, but after um, what we've seen within the last year is that DI is seen as a must-have, uh, that they understand that this isn't something that, um, that, that talent isn't looking at, 
that their board isn't looking at and that investors isn't looking at. And so we've seen uh, a change in the existing systems as far as the way leadership and organizations have approached these issues. We've seen more budgetary dollars put behind it. And we've seen so many organizations for the first time dedicate full-time staff to these issues and to develop teams, right? Like I talked about earlier, there's the mighty team of, of one or two, but we are starting to see more organizations put four or five uh, people into these roles to realize that this is something that is complex, that needs to have a long-term strategy. And we're seeing more and more and DI teams reporting directly to the CEO as well. So uh, absolutely, I see a fundamental shift in the way organizations have approached these issues prior to the pandemic and the death of George Floyd and after. Super, thank you. And just before we wrap up, how can our listeners connect with you, whether that's through LinkedIn, maybe you want to share your email address, and also how can they learn more about all the awesome things happening over at Canaries? Yeah, sure. So um, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's um, uh, uh, Mandy S. Price. So if you just see that, uh, if you type it in, that's my unique LinkedIn uh, profile name. And then you can always connect with us at canaries.com as well. So K-A-N-A-R-Y-S.com. And uh, happy to talk with individuals more about the work we're doing and how we can help their organizations uh, use a database approach to pinpoint DI blind spots so their DI strategies and interventions are precise, measurable, and result in that lasting transformation. And side note, listeners, my, uh, my my soccer club, their emblem is the Canary. So I love I love this company just that bit much more <laughs> because of that. Uh, <laughs> Mandy, it just leads me to say for today, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 